Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast. I'm John Burke, and with me, as always, is Matt Hudson from whatiwatchtonight.co.uk. Matt, how you doing, sir? I am doing so very well, my friend. It's been a good film-filled weekend. Ooh, and before same. coming on air, I was uh, reminded that Macho Man Randy Savage did a diss track to Hulk Hogan, and I listened to it, and I really oh. wish I hadn't. So uh, it's called like Be a, a Man. Diss track? Oh, yeah. Called oh, Be I a Man. It's YouTube. It is hilarious. To be out of fair, it's actually a bit of a bop. <laughs> it's just ah. the fact that it's Macho Man singing about kicking Hulk's butt, which kind of ruins it. But yeah, Be a Man. Check it out it's on YouTube. No, it wasn't a threat or a statement. It's called Be a Man. Ah, um, okay. But also, yeah, yes, you may need. It may concerned. put hairs on your chest. Yeah, but yeah, I'm you okay. Might, How are you? I, I'm doing quite well. I would say overall, I had a a, a solid day at work today, and um, I, I haven't caught. Uh, I didn't make it to the theater this weekend. I actually ended up watching the movie of the week on Peacock. Uh, but I, I want to catch The Last Duel, but I have not had a chance. And I've become really obsessed with uh, completing the 31 Days of Horror this year um, to the point that, like, I, if I'm not watching a horror movie, I kind of feel guilty. Um, I do this to myself. I don't know why I, I continually do this uh, where I get, like, very, like, self-driven to, like, I have to make this expectation that nobody else cares if I make, but I care. Um, so I'm actually ahead. I think I've watched 24 horror films already and it's the 19th. Um, so I'm up by like five. Uh, so I'm going to hit, I'm pretty sure I'm going to hit 31 with like little to no problem. I'll probably hit it this weekend kind of thing. Yes. Um, but uh, I, I want to catch the last duel, but it's like two and a half hours and like, I, I just haven't made it there yet. So that's, um, I'm a little behind on new releases and we got Dune coming out this weekend. And that's the other thing I've never seen David Lynch's Dune, which I know has, it has its fans and it has a lot of hate. Mm. Um, I still want to see it. I, I was going to try to watch it before I see the new one. I'm thinking that's probably not going to happen uh, because it is a longer movie. And I already am like struggling to fit in other things outside of horror. And I, I, I have to watch Dune because that's our movie for next week. Yes, um, sir. So like, yeah, it's, it's, Juggling all of that, uh, it's weird how w- w- nobody is, we're not obligated to anybody. Like you and I, as film critics, we do this on our own. We make our own decisions. We choose what we cover. Yeah. And yet, I often feel beholden uh, to someone. Like, I don't, even, I don't know who. Like, I, no one's ever complained that I haven't seen something. Um, but I feel like I have to. Uh, and it's a weird compulsion. Yeah. I'm going to try to get it a little under control because I, I shouldn't feel anxious about it and i i do um and it's weird that i do um i've, I've seen a lot of movies matt like in my life I've, i if if letterbox is accurate well over three thousand different movies and that's pretty impressive or horrible depending i guess on your perspective <laughs> i was gonna say it isn't bad actually but that's been spread out over a couple of decades so it's it's fine it's fine I mean, I would actually argue that uh, probably half of that is in the last six years because you shouldn't have said that, John. I set you up Uh, there nicely. (laughs) I I know, but I like realistically, I know me. I I probably had seen a good (laughs) chunk of movies beforehand, but a lot of them I just rewatched many, many times. That's the thing. I don't think the uh, the list of films that Letterboxd shows on my stats include rewatches. In fact, I know a lot of them don't because like I've not. I have only been keeping the diary since like 2017. So like all the years that I rewatched Encino Man or Wayne's World or Hudson Hawk Uh or all of the movies as a kid that I lived on, like Ace Ventura, Pet Detective. I don't know how many times that VHS got rewound and played again, kind of thing, you know? Um, And all the Adam Sandler movies. I've seen every, the first like six Adam Sandler movies I had on VHS and rewatched 
religiously, right? Like, so who knows how many other movies I could have seen had I not just rewatched the same ones over and over and over again. Um, I've done that a lot less over the last six years. That's why my numbers have increased so much because I have uh, actively not rewatched films. And sometimes like you and the exorcist, sometimes you need to rewatch the movie. Like it, 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 it makes you feel good. They're comfort movies for a reason, right? Like that's um, <laughs> a very strange choice for a comfort movie, which I ha- openly admit, but um, I was uh, talking no. about that with some students today. Uh, that that was one of your comfort films. And I bet they thought, what a great guy. What a, what a, what a, what a hero. <laughs> um, I'd like to imagine they did, but no, listen, mm-hmm. but there are worse things to be hooked on and there are worse things to be passionate about um, sure. than, than films. So yeah, I don't, see, I don't, I don't see it as a, bad thing i also don't see it as kind of like a thing i need to aspire to that i need to be the guy who's seen the most films ever but i just like like you i watch films because i want to i like catching up on the gap list to ones that i should have seen or the ones which i'm I, like you will tell me to see something like blind spotting which now mm-hmm. i think is wonderful so um that's the beauty of film the more the more you see the more the the more you'll grow in terms of your taste and um knowledge as well but this the amount, the amount of stuff we cover just because we want to is, is born from the fact that we've allowed ourselves to uh, allow our tastes and minds to expand. Maybe wouldn't, we wouldn't have done 20 years ago, as we've yeah. mentioned with, with music. It's not, this is what I like, but now, yes. you know, by what bikes, by letting yourself in and to absorb all of those films, dude, it only makes us, only makes us better people. And it only makes us, uh, what's that word for people who are tolerant, tolerant of things. Right. And I don't know if, if I've said this on the podcast before or not. Probably. We've done a lot of these episodes at this point. But mm-hmm. I always like to compare uh, our, our expansive taste in cinema with people and pizza. Right? Yes. Like, some people have only ever had chain pizza. And that chain pizza, often pretty decent. Right? Like, it's not bad by any means. No. And even the worst pizza I've ever had, it's still pizza. But I've had the best pizza, in my opinion. I've had a lot of different types of pizza. And I know that there is much better pizza out there than the the chain offerings. Mm -hmm. And so I like to aspire that, yes, it's okay to have the chain pizza, but if you have the opportunity to experiencing something better, we should explore. And I've had a lot of different toppings on pizza. Sometimes I'm impressed a topping surprises me, and other times a topping is disgusting and I'll never order it again. That's cinema. (laughs) You tried it. Right. And unfortunately for this week... We had some nasty, off the bottom of the garbage can pizza to watch, Ooh, and but we never thought it'd be that way. Never in a million years did I think it would be that way. Halloween kills, folks. That's what we're here to talk about. And if you caught wind of what I just said and what Matt agreed with, neither of us were thrilled with this particular film, and I think both of us severely disappointed with that. Like we are big fans of the original Halloween, nineteen seventy eight. Carpenter is an underrated genius in my terms. And obviously, yes, he has a lot of people who support him, but I also think he's unknown compared to a lot of other directors and he should not be because his first like 12 movies are all masterpieces in their own right, mm-hmm. including Halloween. Yep. Now we know as a society <laughs> um, that there's a lot of Halloween movies. Michael Myers has made many appearances, but if you aren't familiar with this current chronological canonization of the movies, it currently stands as Halloween, 1978 Halloween, 2018 written and directed by David Gordon Green and his writing partner, Danny McBride. And I think maybe there's a third person on this one. I don't know if he was involved with the 2018 or not. Um, And obviously John Carpenter gets a credit with uh, 
I'm going to forget her name, but the co-writer of the first Halloween. Oh, they get, Deborah Hill. Deborah Hill. They get story credits because they wrote the original characters that inspired these films. But it's 2018, and then this year's uh, Halloween Kills, and one more film to come, probably, Halloween Ends. Um, and who knows if there's going to be more, but that is the current canon. So Halloween Kills came out in theaters and on Peacock, uh, which was a kind of a surprise to me. But as you pointed, I think last week or the week we brought it up that it was going to be on Peacock. Um, it's one of the lesser known streaming services. It, it is the NBC Universal streaming service. Um, they have a lot of free content that you can watch with commercials, but there's uh, a paid un- like um, upgraded version, kind of like Hulu. Uh, I happen to have because my cable company is owned by them. So it's just included with my internet package, which is cool. Yeah. Um, so I did watch it at home. Um, I turned my lights out though. I had a, my room completely pitch black, just my, my big screen TV uh, blast in the movie directed by David Gordon Green. As I said, written by Scott teams, Danny McBride, David Gordon Green stars, Jamie Lee Curtis. Of course, Judy Greer is back. Andy Machiak, um, James Jude, Courtney, Nick Castle, Will Patton. There's actually a lot of people in this movie, like yeah. way more than I anticipated. Um, I'll talk about two of them in a moment. Uh, <laughs> the synopsis, the saga of Michael Myers and Laurie Strode continues in the next thrilling chapter of the Halloween series. That synopsis speaks volumes about where the script was in my opinion. Yeah, and where it didn't end up where it didn't end up. There's no progress whatsoever. Essentially 39% rotten tomatoes, 42 meta score, 6.1 IMDb user score, which is kind of low for a user score and a 2.8 on letterbox. Um, the, the critical consensus is that most of this movie isn't very good <laughs> and there are good parts. And that's where I want to start. I love where the movie opens. I was so like when the movie started, I already knew that a lot of people were talking trash about it. I think I'd already seen your post about it. So I was like, man, Matt's not even <laughs> on board. And I'm you like, know. people are insane. This is so good. And it starts with, Two actors who I have a personal love for. Uh, Thomas Mann, who has done yeah. some tr- not great movies, a few movies that I've critically bashed, some freaks being the, the primary one. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I love Me and Earl and the Dying Girl. I teach that movie a lot. It's probably one of the movies I've taught the most up there with like Jaws. Like I've taught yeah. it many, many years. And Kong Skull Island? Um, yeah, and I love him in Kong Skull Island. I actually mm-hmm. liked him. Uh, there was a movie with. Um, Oh, uh, Ben Mendelsohn, um, from a couple of years. I think that was, he was in the one with Ben Mendelsohn. He was Ben Mendelsohn's son, if I'm not mistaken. And I really liked that movie. It was a Netflix original. It's not coming to me. Something, many things. Uh, I can't remember what the name yeah, of that one was. But Thomas Mann, I'm a big fan of. I was excited to see him in this 1978 segment of the film, which is right at the opening. And yeah. then who comes around the corner, but another officer, Jim Cummings, um, <laughs> yeah. who keeps playing cops, by the way. We like, said that on the Snow Hollow episode, didn't we? He's got himself yeah. fast. Yeah, he's he's apparently just got the look of a cop because he's a cop in Thunder Road, he's a cop in The Wolf of Snow Hollow, and then he, here he is again as a cop. Um, we are, uh, I think both of us have enjoyed a lot of his movies. I, I yeah. love Thunder Road. I really love, yeah. I love The Wolf of Snow Hollow. Um, and I hadn't seen him really act outside of his own movie, so I was like really stoked to see him in this. And that is my favorite part of this movie. It starts there. I was like, I was like, oh, I'm going to be the 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 you know, the counterculture here, I'm going to be the one who likes this movie. <laughs> and then the middle hits. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, Oh, okay. Never mind. And then as it progressively got further into the film without spoiling anything, folks, don't worry. But I was unbelievably frustrated where I just, it just feels like the guys maybe got too high 
when they wrote the script for this. Like, I, I don't know for sure if Danny McBride actually smokes weed. I just know that he's played a lot of potheads with Seth Rogen in movies, so I assume probably. And, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily think that that smoking weed is inherently going to make you write a bad play, but this screenplay, excuse me, I don't feel like you could look at this screenplay from a, a any perspective and think we've done something here. Cause that's, I feel like they've done nothing here. And mm-hmm. there's so many things that feel superficial or artificial or more like the characters are not speaking from within their own world. Like they're speaking from our world about things that they shouldn't know and couldn't know because according to the new canon, a lot of the things that they seem to be implying happened didn't happen. And it doesn't make any sense. It, it feels so disconnected from the 2018 film in so many ways. Like, I don't think 2018 is perfect, but I think it's very enjoyable. Mm-hmm. And I think it set up some really cool stuff. In fact, there, the one thing I will compliment, there's a lot of little details in 2018 that play out here that I, I felt like were throwaway lines in 2018. So either they were pre-planned and that's pretty cool, or they really fixated on the wrong details to get right. Like there's a scene in the first movie where a character's leaving the house and goes, Oh, I forgot my thesoscope. Yeah. And that plays, that comes out into play again in this one. And I, I feel like that can't be a coincidence, right? Like that's a I detail. So, that, yeah. But that, like, why that's not an important detail in the first movie. So like, and there's a few like characters like that. We're like, Oh, that character was in the first movie. Oh, it's he's relevant. I guess I didn't know he was relevant, but now it's relevant. Um, little things like that, that it's like, maybe you, you paid attention to the wrong details. Um, there's an attempt at some commentary that doesn't feel earned or like it says anything in particular. It's just like, Hey, here's a thing. And you're like, yep, that is in fact a thing. Good job, I guess. And mm-hmm. that sums up two thirds of this movie. It's like, yeah, stuff happens, yeah, but not really, not really. It just, you know, man, um, there's few things I enjoyed about this movie. Uh, again, I love the stuff set in 1978. I think that's easily the best part of this. Um, I kind of feel like maybe Fear Street hurts him in that way, though, because Fear Street already did that and maybe <laughs> did it better. Um, Ooh. But granted, like, they came out at different times. Like, they were probably being made simultaneously, is what I'm saying. Like, I don't think one ripped the other one off, but it's, it's a shame when similar things come out at around the same time and one is clearly better. And Fear Street is clearly better. Um, with that, like, the flashback and how it ties into the big story. I, I was super disappointed, man. I wanted to love this. I was super hyped for this movie and I am so not hyped for Halloween ends except for that promise that maybe it will actually end. <laughs> well, on that note, thanks for listening, everyone. See you next week. <laughs> um, no, yeah, the worst thing a, a part, any part of a trilogy can do is to make you not excited for the third part. And yeah, that is, that is spot on. I, I went to, I watched Halloween Kills. I was lucky enough to go and see a pre-release screening from, uh, with, with Universal Pictures. So that was very nice of them. Um, free beer as well. And, oh. and Mark Camobe was sitting behind me and I just didn't know. Um, however, more on that later. Um, I, I really wanted to like this film because I love horror films, but I'm not, I'm not just going to biasly love something just because i like the genre i really liked halloween 2018 for me i i put that on ahead of the original um 
I really, uh, and I, I liked it because it, it, you've got Michael Myers being being badass. You know, Michael Myers is he's he's let off the loose, which is something that he never was in a seventy eight film. He never was meant to be like that. He was he was the slow stalking, you know, mm-hmm. personification of death. He was the, the shape. These new films have just made him a psychotic maniac, um, but none more so than this one. But that said, the bits I liked about this film were just from a maybe maybe because the rest of the film was just so dire. Whenever Michael Myers was on screen, just going app, just just going berserk, I was like, "Yep, yep, yep." There's a few moments towards the beginning of the film where I literally did sit there in the cinema and go, "Oh yes," because it was just I was like, "This is cool. This is like visceral, just chaos going on." But when you realise that's all the film's got going for it, that's the problem. I've already fought off the people well you don't go to halloween for dialogue and acting i go to watch films to like to enjoy all of it what i do mm-hmm. want is characters even if in a horror film we, you don't get the most uh well fleshed out characters at least i want them to sound normal none of these characters sound like people they're just spouting taglines off of which you'll find in a trailer or on the poster they're just saying you know these they don't there's no natural dialogue and those who have seen a film uh, and have, by the looks of it, rated it, will know exactly what I mean. There's none of it feels real. The dialogue, it, it's really, really, really bad, and it and it is uh, to the film's detriment because of that. The actually the Michael Myers scenes are very good, but then Laurie is holed up uh, for the whole film. Laurie Stroh doesn't get an awful lot to do. There's this very strange kind of dynamic between her and Will Patton's deputy. Like they're just, they're just trading old stories. What? What's, what has this got? This is contradicts what happened in the, in the first film. Um, the, uh, the the daughters, uh, granddaughters, they're, they're here, they're there, they're everywhere, they where they want them to be, but then they're here. But actually, no, let's get them over there. That's bad. The returning characters, good God Almighty, I like Anthony Michael Hall. I think he's fine. Oh, good damn! I was I was wishing, praying for Michael Myers to go ham on this dude. My, uh, t- this version of Tommy Doyle is one of the worst characters I've seen all year by far. He's just, he was just a walking, uh, again, a walking tagline spouting machine. Nothing redeeming about his character. Why bring these characters back? If you're not going to give them anything to do. Um, it was, it, it, it didn't, there was nothing to it is my biggest issue is that what was the story about? Well, Michael Myers is on a spree in Haddonfield, and that's it. There is the, there is the messages of mob mentality, and of course they're trying to have some kind of like uh, socio political vibe of what's been happening in the world in the last year or so. Uh, be- mm. And we know that because they've confirmed the next film is going to deal with the pandemic, which is exactly what we go to see Halloween ends for to be reminded of the hell we've just been through. But um, there was nothing. Not, there was literally that, that. That is that is the story again. We don't do spoilers on this episode, but that is the story. Michael Myers is on a spree in Haddonfield, and you know, the and, and the the message of kind of uh, anti violence at one point is just thrown out the window. Uh, I, we'll mention that again in, on Monday when we do our spoiler episode. But it none of it. There's nothing happens. It doesn't advance the story whatsoever. To me, it feels like they just they they had David Gordon Green was mandated to do a trilogy because trilogies are cool. This did not need to be a trilogy because apparently the next film is going to have a four-year time jump. Really? Judging by what happens at the end of this film, again, no spoilers, what on earth are they going to be doing in those four years? Yeah, so, it makes no sense. But there's, 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 there is nothing that happens in this film of, of any worth. Yes, it's great to see Michael Myers go ham, 
but I, I need more than that. Even in a Halloween film, even in the worst Halloween films, like I mean, Halloween Six and Resurrection are pretty much unforgivable. But I, I need more. I need. I need to, the characters are tiresome. I need to. If I can't vibe with them, at least give me cool dialogue. I need, or I mean, at least give me a good story. The only good thing I liked, the only other characters I didn't mind, even if they were highly stereotypical, with Big John and Little John. I thought they added a, a bit of humour, uh, something a bit. They had the most classic Halloween moment in it when they had a scene with some trick or treating kids. Really enjoyed that. But other than that, dude, I don't. I've realised I've just absolutely just doused this in in gas and thrown the torch. But there was really nothing redeemable about this. And the biggest disappointment is Halloween twenty eighteen was so very good at building up good characters. We got the family drama, we got the action, we got to know where we're going, it built up the law. And then this just didn't do anything with it, my friend. And like you said, well, where do we go from here? Well, I'm suddenly not that excited for Halloween ends now. Yeah, again, like, I, I like a lot of movies, like, with Freddy or, um, not even Freddy, with Jason or Mike Myers that are arguably bad movies. Mm-hmm. But yeah. the, in those movies, the stories at least make sense within their own world. Like, the logic's there. They they conclude at the end. They move from point A to point B, like even the worst of those, even the terrible, like sleepaway camp too. The, there's a clear dynamic that happens. There's an arc. This doesn't feel like anything changes from mm-hmm. the beginning to the end. There's a lot of confusing, like lore built around things that, that make zero sense. Like there's no, like, where are you getting that? Like none of the things you said, make any sense and if that's supposed to be commentary on the world we live in now it doesn't work because it doesn't reflect or or alter anything in any way that says anything it's just words and that is just bad so folks there you have it matt and i not fans of halloween kills and again (laughs) went in with huge hopes and it's not that it didn't live up to our expectations it did the exact opposite It, it constantly gave us fuel to to make these claims it's not like we're sitting here just saying we didn't like it we can tell you key points and we will on the spoiler episode that did not work and why we think it didn't work so uh, a yeah. big dis- difference between a movie that just randomly says things and hopes that everyone's just on board because reasons yep yeah, and the worst thing about it is is those really naff films that you mentioned in the halloween saga they whilst no film is made to be bad they had a self-aware uh, side to them, they, they they knew exactly what they were going for. Halloween twenty eighteen set up as a, set us up as a, a a more serious horror film. Halloween Kills tried to be that serious horror film of gravitas, and it did not work. It needed to have that that winking, that knowing wink to the audience for this to work, and that's part for part of the re- main reason for me why it just failed. And that's it, folks. We're going to move on to our next segment: chuffed headlines. Woo. These are movie or pop culture news that caught our attention. Um, I think we might've found a new like Avenue for approaching these because there's been a lot of trailer drops lately. And I, it seems like that's some of the better news worth talking about. Um, so Matt, what is yours? Yeah, well we're getting now, now we have films coming out of the cinema and the theater again. The trailers are starting to come thick and fast and come on JP. Let's start with a, let's start with some fun. Ghostbusters Afterlife. You and I are both so very, so anticipating, very much anticipating this film. And a new international trailer dropped for Ghostbusters Afterlife uh, the day before we recorded this episode. So we've got a couple of new moments in it. Nothing major, major, major in it still, but we're starting to get possibly 
a little idea of what the story's about. Now, uh, again, I won't go too much into it because if it ends up being true, then spoilers. But this is just, you know, theories. But, you know, but maybe we see Egon Spengler in the trailer. Maybe we see what starts all this stuff off. But we get to see more of um, the gang. We get to see extended shots of scenes we've already seen. Uh, we get to see more Paul Rudd. We see a little bit more humour in this trailer as well, which is something that the other ones have been criticised for by people. Is that, you know, where's the where's the comedy in the horror comedy? We've seen a little bit more now. It's coming from Paul Rudd, the Terror Dogs, the, the Mini Puffs as well. So uh, you and I are so are both so excited for Ghostbusters Afterlife. And one thing I'm glad that they didn't do is, and I, I, I've argued with people about it, I generally have argued, I'm so glad that they didn't show the OG in this trailer i don't mm. you know we know they're in it by all means yeah. you know, show them in their in their in in their everyday get up but if they're putting on those proton packs and those uh and those suits again i need what i want to see that in the theater man that that's when i want to see that moment so i can burst into tears and be that five-year-old kid again i don't want to yeah. see it in a trailer and they didn't do it in this one so i'm grateful for that but um i know you're excited for the film but did you check this trailer out did you see anything of any note in it I had not. Um, I, I didn't know it had dropped until I saw the on our post. I am watching it without the sound right now because I've I've heard enough to like get the gist of it. Uh, the little clips, the extended stuff is very compelling. I like where it opens in this one, um, mm-hmm. where like you said, oh oh, I just saw the the dog a little more. Oh yeah, wow. I mean, we we <laughs> had we had a hint of him before, but now it's it's no question that that's the dog from the original films. Yep. It gives, definitely confirms a lot of our suspicions that we've had about Gozer being the, the big bad again. Um, very intrigued. Uh, I, I am so hyped for this movie. I cannot wait. Um, I, uh, there's so many reasons. I love Paul Rudd. Um, I think McKenna Grace has been excellent in everything we've got yeah. to see her in. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, I think the trailers have looked good from the get go. Like uh, people have been same. There same. are a lot of haters for Ghostbusters and I don't get it. Like I don't understand even I, I did not enjoy uh, the the all female one, but only because mm-hmm. I feel like they missed such an easy opportunity that Ghostbusters one I think talks about franchising. So like it was built yep. into the plot to have other Ghostbusters and not have to reboot and fabricate so much stupid crap that they did in that movie. My issue is not that they're the women; it, my issue is that it's just bad, um, and that they have two of the same characters because basically Melissa McCarthy and Kristen Wiig are playing the comedic relief and they don't work in that role together. Like it, it clashes so many problems that said, I think there's a lot of residual hate from that with this movie and that they're so. not related and they, sh- they should be left alone. And Ghostbusters two, a lot of people talk trash about, I think Ghostbusters two is fine. I don't think it's as good as the first movie, but I think as far as sequels go, there are far worse Halloween kills. And so I'm super, I'm super pumped. I, I, I don't want to see too much. Like you're saying, I want yep. some stuff to be reserved for the movie and trailers already push that too often. So leave some surprises for the big screen. Cause that's the thing. I, I think that what you're saying is almost indicative of our culture now that we, we have become so embedded in the instant gratification world that having to wait for the release is like a bad thing. Like I can't wait for the movie. I want that build up. I love the anticipation so that when I sit there and it does work for me and I hope so much that it does work for me, it's some of my favorite moments in my life have been those those times when you get that thing that you've always wanted and suddenly it's here 
and it's everything you wanted it to be. I felt that way with Infinity War and Endgame. I know that's not universal, but mm-hmm. those movies worked for me and paid off all of the years that I'd invested in the MCU. I've been waiting for a couple of years for this. Um, my, David, who's the editor and longtime friend of mine for Burke Reviews, we were at uh, Tribeca the first year, and we went and saw Tully. Yep. With Jason Reitman doing a Q&A. Moments before, like, I, I mean, literally an hour probably before we went to see Tully with Jason Reitman, we stood in front of the Ghostbuster firehouse. And it would oh. be like a month later that Afterlife oh. was announced. And I take responsibility, folks. I feel like the Ghostbuster presence of David and I having visited the firehouse that we both love the original Ghostbusters emanated to Jason Reitman. And he got, hey, I think we should make another Ghostbuster. So the log book. I am, I'm very excited for this many-year investment um, to finally pay off, and I can't wait. No, yep, I, I totally agree. I can't. Wa- I want to go to the firehouse. Cannot wait for November the 19th to sit down, watch this, cry my eyes out. I've got my Ghostbusters fancy dress costume ready for Halloween and trick-or-treating this year, so I'm ready. So, yep, Ghostbusters Afterlife, new trailer drops. Uh, we both liked it. Uh, what's your headline, Jamie? Well, I also went with the trailer because the yeah. Batman had a new trailer oh. drop. There was the DC fandom this weekend. So a lot of DC news came out. Um, the Batman trailer by far being the most important part. Uh, we get the most insight into the story, the vibe, the look. Um, I am a big Batman fan. Uh, I, I've, I wouldn't even say like recently, I, I feel like I've, I've backed off the fandom a little bit, you know, but I'm still real hyped uh, for this movie. And this trailer only cemented it because if the promise that we keep hearing comes true, we're going to get the detective Batman movie that we've never really had. Like mm-hmm. none of the Batman movies have really focused on that area. And while this one definitely still has action, cause we see a lot of fighting in the trailer. Um, it's, it's, I like it. I like the look of it. I like the feel of it. Um, Pattinson seems awesome to me. Mm-hmm. Um, it is, I did see some of your tweets. Uh, someone said it was very edgy Snyder esque. Um, I don't like that comparison because I, 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 I saw it though upon sit upon rewatching it. I said, but I thought some of the comparisons that Snyder gets are in that trailer, but yeah, I can't J- deny he's going to fight. No, I can't, I can't deny it. Um, I think the things that I don't like about Snyder is his over stylistic nature. Um, and not, I, I like a stylized film and this is a comic book character. So I'm, I'm all for style. I think Snyder relies heavily on slow motion, um, and a dark and gritty aesthetic that's almost muddy. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like that's what I, I saw here. I, it's dark. It's definitely dark, but Batman is dark. It's noir in, in essence. And if the reports are true that this is going to be a neo-noir detective story, make the shadows dark, man. Give me that. Mm-hmm. Like, um, And the edgy thing that I am vengeance, those are, to be fair, if you go through some Batman comics, those exist. Those are in the comics. Like those, mm-hmm. that's how Batman talks. Like, yeah. You know, so maybe Snyder pulls from the comic too much and that's maybe where people connect those things. But I do think Batman is inherently a dark and edgy character, especially young Batman. Um, you know, he's, he is full of villain. He's full of vengeance and he's looking to, to take it out on the bad guys. Um, you know, I think that's just inherent in the character. Um, this one it looks to be going even more realistic than Nolan's Batman, which is saying a lot because, you know, like the, the Batmobile looks more like a car, like everything feels more possible 
from our perspective. Like, like this feels like it could be. Um, I, I'm excited for this apparently very dark Riddler character that we're going to mm-hmm. get. Um, the rumor I've heard comparisons to saw in like, but less gory. Um, but as far as like the, the way the Riddler is working uh, and that's interesting. Cause I, I, I like the saw movies a, a lot ish. Like I really <laughs> like the first one a lot. It, it's definitely dwindled with each sequel, but I've always found them compelling. So I'm, I'm, ex- I'm excited, man. Uh, what about What did you think when you checked it out? No, dude, I I I, I enjoy the trailer. Uh, I think the the vibe that they are going for is good. I mean, it's not it's not the it's not quite the Nolan vibe. It's not the Batman. It's not the Burton vibe. It's certainly not the Schumacher vibe. There, you could argue there's maybe bits of all of them kind of twisted in, but this is very much a Matt Reeves film, and that excites me. And what excites me more is is the point that you made is that this isn't. This isn't an experienced Batman or Batman in his prime or Bruce Wayne as Batman is from. This is Batman. This is Bruce Wayne starting out. This is you know, it's a young Batman. He's he's streetwise to a point, but he's full of rage. And how he deals with other people, as we've seen in the trailer, isn't quite as nuanced as maybe we've seen before. He's just bash- beating the hell out of people with, with Nirvana, something in the way, playing in the background. Yeah. I think obviously that, that adds to the kind of edge to it, which is what people I'd- said. But I want to point out, though, that there's a real chance Matt Reeves had no say in the song, right? Like, trailer Absolutely. edits are, yeah. are often... They're, they're there to get butts in seats. Exactly, yep. And I, I like that song. It's miserable, but I like I that song. The original. I love that song. Actually, yeah, I'm a big fan of that song. Yeah, man. Um, but no, I liked the visual style of it. I think uh, Paul Dano as a Riddler is going to absolutely crush it. Zoe, so Kravitz looked, Zoe Kravitz looked great. I'm looking yeah. forward to it performance as selena kyle she's really grown on me as an actress yeah. and i think in the trailer she seems really on point like she seems like yeah. she is in the zone yep she's got a she's got a presence about her uh the cinematographer people said the visuals are some wonderful looking shots the action looks good uh colin farrell as penguin looks bit looks bonkers and it's not the same penguin that we saw before as but well. it doesn't even it does not look like colin farrell like no. it's insane like jared leto in um house of gucci he's like is that the same yeah. person yeah it's him but no listen i am always excited when a new batman film comes out i i every batman film most of them i really like even the even the naff ones are like hey look it's still batman like it's still it's still comic <laughs> yeah. book fun We're, but but the nolan batman films certainly the first two set the bar yeah uh, in modern times this looks like it's going to continue that. I think Patterson looks great, sounds great. The villains look good. Selena Cole looks great. The uh, the tone of Gotham and just the film itself looks on the money. We could be so, in for a really good Batman film here. I'm dude. looking. I haven't I haven't looked at the cast list in a while. Like I didn't know Barry Keoghan is uh, yeah Barry Cohen. Jeffrey Wright's in it as well, obviously. Which I knew that he's Gordon, but like Barry Keoghan, how do you say it? I think it, I think it's Cohen. Like. Uh, because oh, it's it's wow. funny. Well, actually, it's me just calling the Irish pronunciation funny. But it sometimes, certainly in British names, they they said differently to how they're spelled, like Leicester or Birmingham. I I don't. I'm trying to remember. He's playing Officer Stanley Merkel, which sounds really familiar, but I don't. Oh, he was James Gordon's partner when he started in Gotham. Okay, so that's that only confirms because uh, Kogan has uh, a pretty bad typecasting of being the guy that you think you can trust, but maybe you shouldn't. Um, yes. And yes. Uh, 
So like that's that's in that wheelhouse based on that. Just knowing that he was Gordon's partner, it's like oh, corrupt Gotham Police. That's that's the thing. I didn't know John Turturro was playing Falcone, so that's interesting. Um, Sarsgaard, uh, Peter Sarsgaard, is District Attorney Gil Coulson. Kind of wish he was Two Face, but okay. Um, mm-hmm. But because man, I think he would be a good Two Face to be honest. Um, yeah, I, I'm I'm very excited. I I haven't seen all of Reeves's movies. But uh, I've liked, I love Dawn and War of the Planet of the Apes. I always forget he did Cloverfield. Um, yeah. And uh, the only, actually, I've seen almost all of his movies. The only one I have not seen is The Pallbearer, which is the very singular uh, David Schwimmer led f- uh, feature Jesus. film. Um, I've not heard good things about that particular. That's probably not Reeves' fault. Um yeah, and then Let Me In is a solid American remake of a, a much... It's not as good as the original, but it is... It's pretty solid uh, of a remake. So, I, I'm, I'm all in, man. I want to see this. I can't wait. Yep, same, dude. We could have a, we could have a really special film here, or it could be terrible. Who knows? <laughs> We've only got, what, six months to wait now, my friend. Uh, it's probably better that we wait, but I... Hopefully I'm it doesn't ready. get delayed. It's, it's unfair how many people have already got to see it, though, with it being that far away, but... Yes! I guess with that, we should move into our consumption of the media that we like to consume. And that is media consumption, folks. So m- movies, TV, video games, podcasts, music, anything we use to pass the time. Um, since the last time we recorded. So Matt, what have you been consuming? Uh, I have been consuming in terms of podcastios. I listened to the Nightmare on Film Street podcast this week where uh, they sat down and had a chat with the directors of the recently released Shudder original VHS 94, which is the next in the long line of VHS films, but I'm reliably informed is actually is actually a reboot of the whole series, um, which makes sense given the style of that film. So I what I listened to that, and then I uh, and then prior to that, I, obviously for spoiler reasons, before listening to that, I watched said film VHS 94 on Shudder. Uh, I like me a horror anthology. Uh, I'm usually drawn to them because I get four horror films at the price of one usually. Um, and the, and the recent ones I've seen, the mortuary collection being the top have been very decent. So I went into this one expecting it to be good and it's pretty good. I think there's, Oh, I think there's four, uh, interconnected stories, which will lead to one ending. And, and certainly two of them are very good. One of them is pretty good. And, and one of them is fine. Um, but VHS 94, watch that on shadow. If you have a subscription, check that out. Um, I watched The Last Duel, the film that JB said uh, mentioned earlier on. I went to watch that uh, last night with uh, Adam Driver. Well, I didn't go to watch it with Adam Driver, but starring Adam Driver, Ben Affleck, Matt Damon, Jodie Comer. Um, really, really good film. Ridley Scott film. Really good. Uh, it's been called, you know, Ridley Scott films, a blockbuster for grown-ups, which is a bit snidery. But um, it's it takes a very... It's a true story, but it's a very uh, it's a harsh subject. I won't, yeah. I, again, some people don't know what the film's about. I've seen people talking about the film online and people in the comments saying, OMG, I didn't know that was that that was the uh, subject of the film. I'm not going to go and see it now. So I won't say what it is in case you don't know, but it's based on a true story. It does deal with some very heavy stuff, and there are some scenes in it which are which are tough to watch. Um, uh, it gen- genuinely are. You kind of you feel very uncomfortable watching. But what Ridley Scott doesn't do is he. I never felt there was nothing exploitative. Yeah, that's not his style. Yeah, it's exactly. He doesn't take anything which could potentially, in the wrong hands, be 
uh, harsh, yeah, yeah, disrespectfully done. You know, he takes what he has and does it in his style. It's harsh, it's bleak, it's it's raw, but it's effective in this in terms of the film. Um, but no, very good performances, very well uh, structured, uh, all leading up to the the grand finale. So the last duel, I think, was extremely strong. It's going to be possibly in the top twenty this year. Um, I watched a film we're going to be talking about next week, so I'm not going to give any thoughts, though I did on social media. Uh, you might have heard of it. It's a film called Dune. I watched that uh, yesterday. I was lucky enough again to attend a Warner Brothers screening at Warner Brothers headquarters in London, which was really nice building, the most comfiest seats I've ever sat in. The best sound in the cinema or a screening I've heard in a long time as well, which you'd imagine if they're showcasing their own films you got to imagine the sound's going to be on point, and it was. Yeah. Um, our boy Mark Komob was there again. He looked like he couldn't find the exit at the end, so not all heroes wear capes. Allow me, Mark. Allow me to escort you out. And whilst I'm here, let's just talk about some films. So I had a quick chat with Mr. Komob, which was uh, a dream come true, um, though the fact that I was in the same room as him and about only about seven other people who were selected for this gave me extreme imposter syndrome so uh, <laughs> thanks for having me but dune we're talking about that next week uh the only thing i'll say was it was good so that's not necessarily a spoiler on exactly what i think but if i'm going to give it thumbs up thumbs down a thumbs up but we'll talk about that next week and i also watched a british horror called censor which was i think did the festival circuit in march of this year and it's just been released on vod now and my friend and NPM co-host Ant mentioned it to me a day or two later. JB mentioned it to me. And I was thinking, damn, you know, why, why are people talking about this film? Cause I've, I've seen online that people are talking about it and people whose opinion I trust were saying, this is great. This, the atmosphere is really good, blah, blah. I thought this, well, you know, where's this coming from? But obviously it's just had its wide release on VOD. So that's why, but it, it, this is a uh, film set in the eighties in the United Kingdom. It's, uh, predominantly a Welsh uh, cast, of, uh, sorry, Welsh crew. It's directed by Prano Bailey Bond, who I believe this is her first film, and it stars uh, the wonderful Neve Algar in the in the lead role. And it's a bit set in the eighties, United Kingdom, uh, and it's all about film censorship around the video nasty. So it's kind of cheap, exploitative, awful, gory horror films of the time, uh, and it's so set around that. And there's also a family mystery thrown in as well. Uh, and some psychological drama too and came out of nowhere i thought this film was fantastic i really thought this film was fantastic it's about an hour and 24 minutes long really really (coughs) complex film the atmosphere is very good um there's some twists in it which i think are very earned the performances are really good Uh, go and watch it i know it's available on you can watch it on youtube i know that for sure so you have to rent it of course but it's available in other places but I really like this film, Censor, it's called. John saw it. Firstly, where, where did you manage to catch it, and what did you think, dude? Here in the States, it's on Hulu. Um, Hulu. So if you have a subscription to Hulu, you can check it out right there. Uh, Big Tuna um, asked me about, he knew I was watching the uh, 31 Days of Horror, and was like, are, do you have a set list, or can I recommend some stuff? And I was like, um, I have a list, of course, but I'm, it's it's flexible. There's not, there's not I've I think I've caught all the ones that I, I felt like I had to watch this year, um, and he recommended like seven or eight. I, I, I'm, you know, he, he, not only is he recommending movies that are, he thinks are good, but he's like almost curating to my taste. Um, and censor was one. He's like, I, I know you're going to love this one. 
Um, so that was the first one I jumped into and he was spot on. Uh, I, I do love movies about movies. Um, I find it uh, so compelling. And also I've never seen that perspective before of like someone whose job is to watch and rate the movies. I thought that was just on its own, a really cool element. Like I'd love just mm-hmm. a movie about that. Um, but I think this movie is so well crafted. The, the, there's so many cool transitions that actually blend into the storytelling. If you're paying attention um, that uh, from what I've seen, people love this movie or hate this movie based on the third act um, and their kind of take or interpretation of it. And for me, I thought it was masterful. I, I was so, so just engaged with every aspect of this film. Um, I, I it is currently sitting on my bulletin board at work as my recommendation for the week with some warnings because nice. the nature of the film, it's going to have some nasty stuff in it because she, the character is having to watch it for her job. So it's even an interesting way of kind of like backdoor um, access to those horror movies that maybe one might avoid. Uh, it's like, well, here's the type of stuff that exists uh, still to this day. I mean, it, it, this is set in the eighties, but some of those movies still get made. I get bombarded. I'm sure you do too with emails to like, here's 25 movies that came out today. That, and like, I've never heard of any of them. And a good portion of them are really graphic horror films because they're cheap to make. And it's a, it's a doorway into filmmaking. Like if you were wanting to be a director, making some nasty horror films is a way to maybe get your foot in the door. James Gunn and working for Trump yeah. trauma is a great example of it. You know, um, now he's a household name, but at one point he was making horrifically traumatic uh, movies for trauma. And there you go. But yeah, I, I also, I think censor is just a great example of, of really well-made quality horror film that uh, obviously pays homage to the old horror and like it knows where it came from. Um, there's some really cool aspect ratio stuff in this movie that actually is like story purposeful. It's not just like stylistic flourish, uh, but there is some really cool stylistic things in the movie too. And I think it's super cerebral and I love that about the movie. So yep. recommend it wholeheartedly. Yep. So, so that was my, that's what I've been consuming. I weeks and I haven't got around to watching what if, but I will do. Uh, so that's me. <laughs> what about yourself, JB sensor and, so um, I'll start with the podcast, uh, Blank Check, as always. Uh, they Live episode dropped. Uh, so we've caught up to the, the end of the great John Carpenter movies. And now we start kind of the trail of the ups and downs with next week being uh, Memoirs of an Invisible Man, which I have to watch. Um, so, uh, but I love the podcast. It's a really good episode for They Live. Um, I am up to date on what we do in the shadows again. The last episode was so funny. Uh, my wife caught like 30 seconds of it. And was just like, I've, I know I've talked about it before, but she was just like, what is this? And I'm like, oh, it's what we do in the shadows. And I kind of, I'm like, it's basically, it's Jersey Shore, but vampires. Like, it's that type of reality show. Um, <laughs> and uh, it's one of the best shows on TV. And this episode was no no joke. Um, I want to spend a little bit of time. I'm going to go quick with my movies, but I want to start with Ice Nine Kills. I don't, we don't always talk about music, but every once in a while, there's an artist that really grabs us. I, Ice Nine Kills like some movies check boxes for me, they're a heavy metal band and heavy metal might not be the term everyone else would use. They might be a screamo band or an emo band or whatever. I don't know which genre they truly fall into for me. They're metal. They're screaming, they're singing, there's hard rock guitar, but their last album two, I, th- I think three years ago called the silver scream. Every song on it's inspired by a horror movie that was brought to my attention a couple of times. The first time it was brought to my attention, I listened to it. I was like, cool novelty. I wasn't really into metal at that moment. Like I kind of comes in waves where I'm not fully feeling metal right now. I'm very much ingrained in metal. So I've been listening to their old stuff, the silver scream. And I've been 
loving it and really anticipating their new album, which came out Friday, October 15th, called Welcome to Horrorwood, The Silver Scream 2. And uh, there's 13 songs, um, including uh, songs inspired by um, American Psycho, Pet Cemetery, uh, The Fly, Psycho, which is probably my favorite song, um, uh, Resident Evil, the movies, not the games, um, <laughs> My Bloody Valentine, Candyman, the Evil Dead trilogy. Like the album's perfect, in my opinion. It, it hits so wow. much. I love. I love so much. Like uh, there's not a song I don't like. Those, there's a couple that I like less, but I think they're all good. Um, but the ones that are great are so great. And from Pet Cemetery in their song uh, called Funeral Derangements, um, the line "Sometimes dead is better," which might be the most metal line ever written for anything, anyways. But yep. like put into a metal song, it just it's just so good. It's so great. Um, I I am just in love with the album. I I think I've listened to it like seven times already, it, which is worrisome because I'm going to end up burning myself out on it and I don't want to, but I can't stop listening to it. Um, and the songs just stay in my head. Like I'm like constantly singing different parts. And that's one of the things I like about them is they do scream. There are some very heavy metal components to their music, but they also have melody and some of the songs don't have any screaming in it. So like, I think it can run the gambit. The one thing it is very much a novelty. If you don't know the horror movies, you may not get what the songs are about inherently. They still sound good though. So I still say, listen, if you're like me, though, I think there's only two movies in this album that I've not seen. I've never seen My Bloody Valentine, either version, and I have not seen. Um, oh, I'm going to forget again. Oh, I've never seen Hostel. Um, okay. And I don't, I don't think I'll ever watch Hostel because I know it's torture porn, and I don't enjoy that. Um, yeah, there's not much more to it than yeah. than that. Although the song has made it's in Germany apparently, which I didn't know. Um, Right? Is that correct? In Hostel, it's filmed in... Uh, that was from the Czech Republic, Prague. Oh. I, I, the, it's it's Worst Vacation is the name of the song. And it I sounds like a German it's... accent, but that might be my stupid American not knowing anything. They, like, they are fairly close to each other, those uh, countries. Uh, no, it, well, you have made me paranoid now that I've just given false information. So whilst I mean, you continue talking, I'm going to Google where Hostel well, was filmed. So that I really want to recommend that album. If you have access to any streaming service, Spotify, Apple Music, uh, I use YouTube Music. Um, mm-hmm. I, I highly recommend Ice Nine Kills, especially if you are a horror fan, Matt, um, that you should listen to it <laughs> because it's great. Um, on their first album, my favorite, I, I love so many songs on there, but uh, I really love the song for Jaws. Um, I don't, there's only, there's two songs of theirs that I do not love. I do not, and it's surprising. I don't like the song for It. Um, mm-hmm. I think they play into the character of Pennywise a little too much on that song. And it just, it, it, it comes off more annoying than like engaging. And then uh, the song for scream, it feels a little too operatic. And like, they have like a woman being like the Drew Barrymore type character. And I, I don't, I don't vibe it as a song. It feels like a, like a, a musical more mm-hmm. so. And I, I don't want to listen to it. Like, I think it's worth checking out. I don't think it's bad. I just, I pulled it off my playlist. Cause I was like, I don't want that. I'm, I don't want it like in my rotation. But every other song from the two Silver Scream albums I have in, in regular rotation right now, and I love them all. Um, nice. That said, I've watched a lot of horror movies. I'm not going to give reviews for each one because it would just take too long. We don't have that kind of time. But I watched Phantoms um, from 98, with, uh, m- mostly because in Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, they say Affleck was the bomb in Phantoms. <laughs> 
and I needed to know if that was true. Um, and I'll tell you what, I think he's the best part of Phantoms. I think it was kind of bad casting to put a, a very young Affleck as the sheriff of a town, because I don't believe that for a second. But I do, I thought he was great. Liv, Sh- Liv Schreiber was good. Um, but yeah, it's 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 a skippable movie, I think. Um, on the other hand, Daybreakers from 2009, freaking love that movie, and I can't believe I hadn't watched it. I, I, I have so much regret for not having seen it sooner. Willem Dafoe and Ethan Hawke are both just amazing mm-hmm. in this movie. I love Dafoe so much in this film. Um, I really like when Dafoe gets to not be a bad guy. I feel like he gets a lot of times typecast as kind of a villain character. Um, but when he's having fun as a good guy, he's just outstanding to me. And this is one of those performances where I'm just like, he's so good in this. Um, I rewatched Halloween and Halloween. I didn't have a stroke. That's they're both just called Halloween. <laughs> um, saw Hellraiser for the first time, which I already had told you about, bud. But uh, that part of the reason, one of the songs is called the box on the uh, ice nine kills is about yep. Hellraiser. So I was like, I need to check that one off the list. And I have, and I got to say, I liked it. I liked it. Um, it's, it stayed with me. It definitely was not what I was expecting because to me, pinhead is it's very similar to Mike Myers, uh, Leatherface, Jason, Freddy as like this, the face of the, the movie. And he's kind of not in this movie. Like he's, he's like, there, but he doesn't do a whole lot, but I, I really like the whole premise of it. And I, I, I don't like that. It's made me want to watch the sequels. Cause I've heard the sequels aren't great. Uh, I don't mind the second one as too okay. much, but Good damn, did I... Uh, and a lot of people like the third one, but I say a lot of like the people tolerate, but they do... For me, they do go down very hill, and, they, and unfortunately, they are... The last few have been direct to VHS, yeah. DVD, whatever, so... And one and of them has go, even got uh, Bradley in it. They get more in the nasty territory, like, they, they become yeah. more just shock this, whereas and gore. Hell raises, like, a kind of a dirty, grimy S&M horror. Um, yeah. This, they, they just become... Let, how crazy can we make the Cenobites? And yeah, it just devolves yeah. into silliness even more so. So I, I probably won't dive. I might watch two and then maybe three, but I, I'll probably stop there. Um, I watched The Retreat for Movie Club. Uh, Corey's pick this week is a Shutter original. Um, it's not great. It's not terrible. Um, there's some interesting ideas in it. It does, you know, like when a movie has twists that don't feel earned. Yep. That's like a big plot point of this movie. It's like very much like it's kind of the premise, but it, it's like, yeah, but it's not in the text. You're just, you're just throwing like, what if this was the case? And it's like, yeah, but, but why? Like, there's no reason you're just throwing that out there as a maybe. And that's not good enough. I'll give that um, one a miss in. Dude. Okay. Have you heard of barbarian sound studio? Uh, no, no, I haven't. So big tuna recommendation. Um, it pairs so well with sensor. Uh, it, oh, wow. it's, uh, it's Tom. I'm going to mess up Tom Hooper. Is that right? No, that's uh, not right. Tom, Toby Hooper. Hooper. Toby, Toby Jones. Yes. Toby Jones is who I'm Toby, trying to oh, say. Toby the English fellow. Yes. Yes. The actor who's not usually the lead. He's the lead in this. Um, it's directed by Peter Strickland. Um, oh, nice. So the premise is he is a like sound engineer but there's a lot of Foley work. It's again, it's a movie about movies, which I always really click for me. Um, it's very atmospheric. Um, he is working on a horror movie that he's not really into horror movies. He's not really thrilled that he's been kind of tapped to do this. He usually does like documentary sound. And here he is now like doing all the Foley and sound work for this very graphic, uh, Giallo esque horror film. Mm-hmm. Um, 
it itself is not inherently giallo. I am learned. I have recently learned that I apparently have never seen a, a true giallo film. Is Suspiria giallo? Yes. Okay, then that's the one true one that I've seen and did not love. But I feel like I got to dive into this genre now because it's now been referenced too many times and I feel ignorant about it. So I need to like explore this, this genre to see if it's something I can get into. But <laughs> I had to, um, I had to subscribe to AMC plus in order to watch Barbarian sound studio. I think it is uh, actually on either IFC. I think it's IFC uh, that has their own streaming service, but AMC plus you get, you get that IMC plus, um, Sundance Institute or one of the Sundance streaming services, you get Shutter, and I think there's one more um, thing you get with with AMC Plus. So I did the uh, the free trial in order to watch Barbarian Sound Studio. Their their app sucks. It's really hard to search for it. Like I searched, literally copy and pasted the text. Says it's not available. Then I just decided to browse all the movies and looked at horror and found it in no time. But like I searched it and it said it wasn't there. It's a hundred percent there. So your app is busted and that's why people aren't subscribing to you AMC plus. So, um, but it was worth the hassle because the movie's great. I really, really enjoyed that as well. Um, because of that, uh, big tune is apparently a big Peter Strickland fan Mm -hmm. and, um, his movies are a little out there. They're definitely uh, old school inspired. Um, I then watched in fabric last night, which is uh, available on canopy, which is a, you can, if your library has access, you get to rent movies for free. Um, like 14 a month. So I rented it for free and watched in fabric, uh, which I was ashamed of myself. It's a, it's an a 24 film. Yeah. Uh, from yeah, yeah, yeah. 19. And I'm like, how did I not know anything about this movie? Um, I'm slipping in my old age and, uh, <laughs> in fabric, very interesting, very weird. Um, definitely, definitely pays homage to the Giallo from my understanding. I am quoting many critics outside yeah. of myself. More of the reason why I'm like, I, I must explore this genre because I clearly know nothing. Um, and uh, Malignant was also, that was thrown at Malignant as well. And I'm like, yeah, I, I don't, I need to explore the genre more. But I, I liked In Fabric as well. I like Barbarian Sound Studio much more. Um, but I also caught Cujo for the first time. It was a big uh, Stephen King gap for me. Um, I had no idea how that movie would play out. Like, I didn't know that for a big chunk of the film, we were going to be w- with two people in a car, uh, feeling very much like a zombie film in a way maybe a little more uh, claustrophobic than a, a traditional zombie film. But I was surprised at that moment. And I, uh, in a good way, like I was like, Oh, this isn't just like dog running around killing people after people after people. It was much more, um, you know, like slow paced in a good way. Like I felt like it was like, I was sitting there stressed out with the, the, the wife and son. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I like Cujo. Um, and that's it. That's what I've been uh, consuming, man. There's a lot of movies, but um, I am up to 24 of 31 yes. for the month of October. Uh, so I should have no problem getting those last seven in. Oh, bro, you'll smash it by the time Halloween comes. Yeah, I'll be. I will be probably done by Sunday. So uh, I'm. I'm. Tonight, I have. As soon as we're done recording, I have to run off to work. Um, so I probably won't watch one tonight and give myself a break. And I might need it. I, I might. I might be overdoing it again as I feel this compulsion to complete this 31. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that's what we've been consuming, folks. Um, that's pretty much the show, except we have to check in because in order to keep this podcast going, uh, especially with the time difference, it's a lot of work uh, collaborating and, and being able to balance our lives uh, together. So we have to make sure that our awesome levels stay bloody high. And so, Matt, what have you been doing to stay bloody awesome since the last time we recorded? 
Man, there are differences in time, but we wouldn't have it any other way. Well, we would. We'd we'd be closer, but we make it work because John's cool. Um, For me, I've been (laughs) staying bloody awesome by staying uh, by... Uh, being sustained by Vietnamese food. <laughs> I've been, um, I tried some the other day in the street food vendor around the corner from where I work, and annoyingly, I've got hooked on the stuff, so I'm eating as much banh mi as I can, some Vietnamese curry, some uh, Vietnamese pho. I've just become an absolute fiend for it's only what they, it's only the um, offerings at this street food vendor, which is, they are, must I say, it's called Bep Viet, which is fantastic. Uh, I've never been to Vietnam, but it, you know, it seems authentic to me. And there's a picture of Barack Obama eating it. So how much more of a pat on the back do you want? So, uh, yeah, mine's pretty simple, dude. I've been staying bloody awesome in many ways, but I'm usually ruled by my stomach and uh, this, uh, a new cuisine has taken hold of me. I hadn't had Vietnamese before until about a week, about two weeks ago. And now, I absolutely like the stuff. The hotter, the better. So me, what, food. Uh, okay. Have you tried uh, pho? Yes, yeah, yeah, I did mention that. Yep, yeah, uh, uh, it's called. I, I think I called it pho. So yeah, pho. Yeah, way. I'm dude. You know me and pronunciations. I've yeah, tried. Yeah. I, I was calling it pho for the it's longest time. <laughs> yeah, um, and it's in. Uh, it's actually the, the first time I ever heard of it was on Me and Earl and the Dying Girl. Uh, John Bernthal's character has a whole thing about it. Um, I. Uh, I'm a big fan of, we have a really good Vietnamese restaurant, not far from my house that I go to quite frequently. Um, they have some really good curry and, uh, love, love their, their pho or whatever the correct pronunciation is. I apologize. Um, but yeah, uh, good man. I love exploring different types of food. I wish we had good Indian cuisine around here. Um, I've made some myself, uh, in order to like satisfy the craving, but man, um, it's just, I, I love non-American food so much. And this, my family is very basic with most things. Uh, my wife likes burgers. That's her go-to. So There's nothing wrong with it. But I, I'm, oh, when I come no, to Florida, sure. I want the biggest portion of American food possible, which is, I'm t- told, most things. But of course, I'll keep it keto-friendly for JB. Well, um, I, I'm not full keto anymore. And that's uh, going to yeah. be clear here because I want to give a shout out to a TikToker. His name is Zach Cohen. Um, he is a nutritionalist and he looks like a Viking. I'm pretty sure that's his whole thing. Um, I, I came across him randomly a while back and I, I follow him and he does these, uh, really great meal plans. And he's a, like, to me, there are a lot of people who use like fear to like promote like health, like, you know, um, don't eat these foods. And this dude is not like that. He actually is always speaking out against people who try like scare tactics with food. Uh, just a case in point, he had a video the other day where he had um, 146 calories of strawberries and 146 calories of cookies. And you could see the, the clear difference, like two cookies, like a pile of strawberries. And he's like, strawberries will fill your stomach, but a cookie will fill your heart. Sometimes yep. you need to eat the damn cookie. And <laughs> like, you know, he's still saying be smart about it, but also don't deny yourself, you know, something like that's not how you stay healthy, right? Like crash diets, backfire because eventually you just can't do it anymore and um so this week uh he has a whole meal prepping thing where he shows you very affordable quick easy meal preps it's a lot of times it's like one pot or like crock pot type thing where you make it for the week and then you know you portion yourself out he tells you the portion size um he gives you the macros he gives you everything and i i've made one of the recipes this week um which is why i'm giving him a shout out because i just had uh the first dish of it today um, it's called weight loss pasta on TikTok, and it has 
Um, I use a high protein pasta, but I use a red lentil pasta. And then, um, which is different than his recipe. That was what I chose uh, because of my local grocery stores. What I had, um, it's got ground beef, a whole jar of like queso, like, you know, the, the salsa con queso mm-hmm. stuff. Yep. Um, I, I, tomatoes, diced tomatoes, diced chilies, and then a bunch of broccoli. I actually doubled the amount of broccoli for the recipe. Um, and you have this like uh, cheesy pasta dish uh, with a packet of the ranch seasoning, like the ranch dressing packet, but you mix it in without the water or whatever. You just add it to the thing. And I added um, Flavor God's bacon seasoning. So it's not bacon, but it tastes like bacon. And so I had like a bacon ranch vibe to this dish. And I'll tell you, man, I had, not only was it a very filling lunch at only 500 calories, um, but I, I, have been full since lunch and that doesn't always happen. A lot of times I eat lunch and then like, I'm like, oh man, I really could eat, you know, another sandwich or whatever. This dish between all the broccoli and the tomatoes, I was super full and very satisfied. <laughs> it's very like, it's a good dish. So I, I meal prepped. I bought some new containers. I actually, I froze them. I've never tried freezing my meal preps. I've always just like crammed them in the fridge and, they get tossed around there's, you know, cause everything's in and out of the fridge. So I, I opted to freeze them ahead of time. Took a little longer to cook uh, at work. Like I had to microwave it a few times and stir it up and whatever, but it was definitely uh, a very viable option. I had plenty of room in the freezer to, uh, to stack my five trays for the week. And um, yeah, uh, actually his recipe is only 400 and something calories, but he divides his uh, for seven days. I did mine for five days. So just that alone added like the extra 50 calories or whatever, but um, yeah, meal prepping. It's uh, it was, a f- I've done it before, but I, I often just end up bringing like a sandwich and like carrots or something. This is a little more fun to bring like a dish rather than just like a, a you know, two pieces of bread with meat in it, you know? So uh, felt good. Felt good to, to prep for the week. Again, we talk food on the bloody awesome meal podcast. <laughs> food is communal. You know, we're like Brad Pitt's exactly. notions 11. We just always have something. Um, <laughs> So, folks, that's our episode. We're going to be back next week talking about Denis Villeneuve's Dune, a movie that Matt and I have been anticipating for a long time. Matt has already got to see. I am jealous for so many reasons. Um, I cannot wait to, for this weekend. I, I am so pumped. I, I did see your tweet, so I kind of know where you're at with it, which only made me more excited to see it. Um, while we don't always see eye to eye on everything, we see eye to eye on a lot of things, and I'm very excited to check this movie out. Um, but until our next episode, we'd love to hear from you. You can reach out to us on social media. If you're on Instagram, we are at bloody awesome movie pod and Twitter. Uh, Bamp underscore podcast, B A M P underscore podcast. And we are currently still on the Facebook, but who knows for how much longer, but simply search bloody awesome movie podcast. We're out there. If you're still there, you can also follow us individually. I'm at burkreviews.com and at burkreviews on all the social media platforms and Matt, you can find me what I watch tonight.co.uk and what I watch tonight across all the socials and letterboxed. And we ask that if you like what we're doing here at the bloody awesome movie podcast, that you take just a few moments and give us that five star rating on whatever podcast catcher you are using. Uh, it helps other listeners find us and that just helps us keep doing the show. So with that, we encourage you to keep watching movies and stay bloody awesome. Awesome. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Blood, 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 blood,